Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Our next guest in the studio is one of the all-time greats of test cricket. I mean, look at the statistics. 98 test matches, 405 wickets, an incredible average of 20.99. He's a one-time base player. He was even a Dancing with the Stars contestant. Sir Kirtley Ambrose, it's an honour to have you in the studios here on Talk 100.3. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great, great to see you here. Now, your, your time in Dubai, what is it? You've seen Chris Gale on too many boat parties, so you thought you <laughs> had to come and get some fun? Well, not exactly. I'm not a party freak like him and others. You know, I'm more of a quiet kind of guy. Oh, this is this is interesting. Uh, you know, we've, we've heard so many things about the Caribbean islands and players coming in from there. <coughs> you, you, you were, you know, as you say, that you're a nice, quiet person. But your bowling did all the talking. Yes, most likely. Um... I think that's the way to go. You know, there's no point talking to the batsman. I just figured that five and a half ounces is enough <laughs> to get the job done. And I got lucky a few times. Was was that calculated when you were playing? Because you terrorised so many batsmen. And they were they always used to say, Kirtley Ambrose never said anything to me other than that was out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, as long as I'm competing, you know, I'm naturally aggressive once I'm competing. There are two sides to Kirtley Ambrose. That aggressive side when I'm competing and the very relaxed, jovial side, which people don't see too much, you know, because they tend to judge me from what I've done on the cricket field. But I have two sides. I got a very quiet side, very relaxed and everything else. You got into cricket quite late for a cricket for, for a cricket player. Uh, was it your mum's influence that, that made you move from basketball to cricket? Yes, it was her influence along with my fellow villagers, because I'm from a small village in Antigua called Sweets. And, you know, just like every other youngster, we grew up playing every sport possible. And cricket was never my first love. Talking about basketball or football or soccer, some people call it. You know, cricket was just there because everyone plays and I fooled around. And then my mom, who's a cricket fanatic, wanted a cricketer in the family. There's seven of us, four girls, three boys. I was a second in terms of boys. And my older brother, who migrated to the U.S. to join my father, so I was naturally next in line. And she kept pestering me about playing cricket. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And hopefully 
it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately for me, you know, I started playing club cricket for Sweets in Antigua in 1984. And a year later, in 85, I was selected for Antigua national team. And a year later, in 86, I was in the Leeward Islands team. And then two years later, in 1988, I was in the West Indies team. Nice. So from not wanting to play cricket at all, within four years, I became an international cricketer. What, what point in that journey lit the spark <clears throat> where you're like, I can actually make it. I can play for the West Indies, the great West Indies sides. I never thought about it. You know, I had instant success when I started, but I just played because, you know, pressure from my mom and villagers. So I never really thought about playing for the West Indies. As a matter of fact, I never thought I would have a long career in cricket. Because even though I played for the West Indies, I was still thinking basketball, right? I was 24 <laughs> then when I made my debut, and I was still thinking, get to the U.S. and play basketball. Mm -hmm. It took me two years of international cricket to really start to take it seriously. Because in Antigua, I still play football, I still play basketball, and you have to, your name has to be registered in order to play. And the guys from the village decided, you know what? your international cricketer stop with his football and basketball thing and focus on cricket. Yeah, because, I mean, Viv, Viv Richards <clears throat> played cricket, played soccer quite high level as yes, well, didn't he? so did Richie Richardson. Oh. They both represented Antigua national team, so they were footballers as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so it took me two years of international cricket to realise, you know, you know what, all these people can't be wrong. True. As a matter of fact, i tell us something else. When I was selected for us in his team to play my first ODI against Pakistan in Jamaica, the night before we travelled to Jamaica, I was playing basketball. And everyone was like, everyone was like, are you crazy? You're travelling tomorrow? I was like, so? You know? So I realised everyone can't be wrong. So I just stopped playing football and basketball and I just focused on cricket. You, know, you talk about focusing on cricket, you know, your, your bowling action, <clears throat> that whip of the wrist at the moment that you release gets that extra uh, piece of uh, cherry to move on. I've heard these stories and tell us how correct is this that your bowling action as an eight, nine year old was perfect as compared to most of the kids that learn cricket. Yeah, it was very natural for me. I play a lot of tennis ball cricket, mm -hmm. you know, in the parks and stuff. Just And I, when I was like seven, eight, nine years old, I could bowl properly. Right. Where other guys who are much older couldn't. I'm sure. I mean, so, it's, it's a difficult task, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it was, for me, it was natural. Mm -hmm. And once I started to play proper cricket, you know, I just worked at it but it was natural from a very early age so I didn't have to work as hard as some people right no you know many a times uh, kids who these days who go to coaching academies and coaches work on them for hours and hours at end is there a calling that one says that listen you are either called or or probably born to become a batter or a bowler uh, or a wicketkeeper for that matter like in your case I no, I wouldn't say that you know mm -hmm. some of us were fortunate enough to be more of a natural mm-hmm and we work on our game to get better. But you can you can teach, you can coach a kid from an early age right. to be a batsman or a bowler. But because um, natural talent can only take you so far. Right, yeah. You have to put in the work as well. So all the great players you've seen playing presently and from the past, as natural and as gifted as they are, they have to put in the work as well. True. So it, it can be done. You can be coached. What, what? If, if you're willing to be coached. Well, why is it when you are coached? Because as a right-handed <clears throat> bowler, you're a left-handed batsman. Well, 
I guess I'm ambidextrous. Too many talents. Too many talents. You know, as, as an Australian, I'm very fortunate that I was a child of 1990s cricket in Australia when you were sometimes more popular than the Australian side, the way you used to come. And uh, there was a famous uh, one-day international back in 1992. I remember being at this game. Uh, it was the, uh, the first final at the SCG, Australia versus the West Indies. And uh, uh, this is what happened as it was uh, on the commentary. I think what uh, he might have asked for is the sweatband off Kirtley's uh, right hand. Now, umpire Prue has um, a difficult task here. He has to convince Kirtley Ambrose, who's six foot eight, that he's to take off the sweatband on his right wrist before he bowls to Dean Jones. <laughs> that could generate an extra yard or two from Kirtley, I would think. Very, very swift delivery. Goes in the air, he's got five, Simmons will catch it. Yes, a great performance by the big man. An, an incredible match, and, and, and it's something that you've probably been asked about and you will always be asked about in your career, where Dean Jones asked you to take off your, your white wristbands. What are your memories when you hear that? Well, I've been hearing this so much, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I'm asked about it, I, I like to ask a question. After 12 and a half years of international cricket, is that the only thing you can remember I've done? <laughs> you know, but it was a strange request from Dean Jones. I couldn't understand why, because everyone knows I've always worn wristbands when I'm playing. And from what I understood after is that he, he was trying to throw me off my game. But he doesn't know me that well. Once you rattle me, it's not a good thing to do. Because even later on in that innings, there was a, a ball you bowled to Ian Healy. Was it your first ever slower ball? It swung about four ways. It probably was, because a slower delivery isn't something that I've practised. It's not a part of my arsenal, really. Yeah. But it just came to me that, you know, maybe if I tried a slower one, you know, I could really bamboozle Ian Healy, you know, who was batting at the time. And I tried it. And it worked perfectly. <laughs> and, and, and if you've seen the replay, you can see how animated I was. Yeah. I, I never expected it to work that well because that's something that I've done before. And that was a special moment. I really, really enjoyed it. No, incredible. I mean, we, we watch it and <clears throat> we watch it on loop whenever we watch that delivery. Now, modern day cricketers, you know, they've become more of friends on field as well. Right, that that fast bowler's aggression has kind of gone a little missing because maybe call it the franchise leagues curse that you know uh, the, the best of the bowlers of Australia and the West Indies are chilling with the best of the batters in India uh, because they're playing for the fran uh, same franchise. Uh, does it take the venom out of fast bowling if that aggression is missing? It certainly does, and I believe another thing as well: the rules have changed so much. I believe cricket has gotten a bit softer because mm -hmm. I've always believed that there's no better sight than a great fast bowler versus a great batsman. I agree. You know, so too many rules that have been brought into cricket and it's predominantly a batsman's game and it takes away the fun. And I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of this at all because, for instance, as a fast bowler and you bowl a short a bouncer yeah. and the batsman smacked you out of the park, you want to be able to retaliate straight away. True. You want to prove to me if you can do it again. Nowadays, a ball one, next thing, yeah, one for the over. One for the over. So you got to think, should I bowl a second one or should I wait? So right away, the contest is over. That's right. To me, to me it, it doesn't make sense. It takes away that, that ex enjoyment, the excitement. Mm -hmm. Spectators like to see enjoyment, bat versus ball. True. Uh, and today, sadly, it's 90% to favours yeah. in the batsman. Well, what changes would you make <clears throat> to the game in favour of the bowler? Well, I think that a bowler should be allowed to bowl a, a few short deliveries especially a batsman can handle it, first of all, because if you keep pulling me out of the park, 
I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a contest. Yep. Convince me you can do it consistently. Or if your batsman who doesn't handle a short ball well, it's up to me as a bowler to get you out. It's part of my arsenal, True. my weapon to get you out because you're uncomfortable. But when I bowl one bounce, then you're one for the over, right, when the contest is over. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's too many rules and regulations. Most of the things in cricket now is against the bowlers. For instance, those wides. You drift half an inch down the leg side, the caller wide. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, what do you want a bowler to do? Ball in the middle of the bat? Well, I agree because as a, as a fan, you know, people want to watch sixes, but they also want to watch fast bowling. Of course. You know, and you overstep the mark, you bought a no ball, you get right. a free hit. Oh, come on. What the ball is supposed to do? I, I reckon soon from now, mm -hmm. you might just put a bowling machine and you, <laughs> and, and, you, and you set it there and let the bowling machine do. I mean, it's... Too many rules are against the bowlers. Right. So there's not a real, real contest. When you go back in the 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. I mean, real fast bowling versus real batsmen, that was a sight. Sadly, all that is missing. You, you speak about contests. Which contest did you like in your personal time when you were bowling that batter who could actually go and smack you on your short balls? Well, not, not too many, but still. Well, I've had the privilege of playing against some great batsmen in my time. Um... I my job was simply to dispose of batsmen, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I, I'm ne I'm never that friendly when I'm when I'm competing. Nice. At the end of the day, it's play or after the game, we can have a talk. I won't say have a drink because I don't drink. So um, after the game, yes, you know, we'll have a talk and we can have a laugh. But once that bell rings and I step onto that park, it's not a friendly business. Nice. No, but then uh, I'm, I'm sure that you know there were some bat uh, batsmen that you. As a bowler, don't want to see the face off. You either want to rattle them off, send them uh, back to the hut, or you know that they will probably take you for runs. Well, the thing, the thing about it is that you have days when you struggle mm. to get these great players out. Makes you wonder, your sleepless nights, how, yeah. how are you going to get them out? And then there are other days when those same players, they get them out quite cheaply. So you have to give and take. There are quite a few guys that I have a lot of respect for. Uh, I never really told them that when I'm playing against them. Of course not. Obviously. Yeah, but um, for instance, someone like a Ten Dolker, I think one of the greatest I've seen mm -hmm. as a batsman. I've never, I wasn't lucky enough to get him out in Test cricket, which is sad. But um, he was one of the guys I have a lot of respect for. Ricky Ponting, right? I think was a fantastic cricketer as well. I have a lot of respect for him. He will take you on. He got all the shots. Yeah. And if you're not on your game, he could make you look very ordinary. True. You know, um, Steve Waugh is another one. Mm -hmm. When it comes to sheer heart and guts, not the most attractive player, not the most talented, right? but he gets the job done his own way. And one of those guys that will never surrender, mm -hmm. you'll have to literally knock him out. Well, you did. That was the famous encounter between the two of you in 1995. And a lot of people couldn't believe that you were talking on the field. And I don't know what was more surprising, that you were fired up or you could actually understand what Steve Waugh said, you know, because <laughs> he always talks out of the side of his mouth. Yeah, that, that, that's probably the only time I've ever said anything, you know, towards a batsman. Because right. that's not part of my game. Like I said before, the five and a half ounces will do the talking for me. You rattle me, then it's... The ball versus the bat. Um, Steve Waugh, I remember that it was a tricky pitch to bat on in Trinidad. You know, and he was really struggling. Kept missing a lot. And he scored 68 at first innings, which was... He still says it's almost his best innings, even it though was it was a, 68. It was a tremendous innings on a surface like that. Mm. On a normal day, it could have easily been 100. Yeah. So he batted well. And he probably got a little frustrated. And then he cursed at me. Um, I must admit that I didn't hear him. One of my teammates told me I was just walking back. He, 
he said the F word, you know, like F off or whatever. Yeah. I didn't hear him. And I let it slide because sometimes in the heat of battle, you say things. So I say, you know, it's okay. It's all right. And then we went in for the break. And after I came back out, I bowled him a couple of deliveries and he kept missing. And then something snapped in me. So I asked him, did you swear with me? And he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He just simply said, I can say whatever, whatever I want to say. And that to me was like a yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I snapped and let him know in uncertain terms that I will knock you out right here and now. I have no career left in cricket. If they ban me, I don't really care. But one thing I know, you won't play again either. But I didn't say that calmly. And Richie Richardson, that's the famous scene of him physically dragging you away from that encounter. Yes, I was highly annoyed with him because we've had our battles over the years. He scored a lot of runs against me. I've gotten him out as well. And there was never any words exchanged. And for him to say that, I thought it was a little bit disrespectful. Mm. And I didn't like it. But the good thing about it, we never lost respect for each other. It started right there on the pitch and ended right there. We never spoke about it, ever. We met a few times after. As a matter of fact, when I did my autobiography, I asked him to do the forward for me, which he quietly accepted, and he did. So there was no animosity between us. He just started there in a day within a minute or whatever. So that was it. Your relationship with Richie Richardson, which you mentioned, has always been strong because when you're on tour, he was a guitarist and... And at some point, he what did he convince you to pick up the bass? What's the story of the, the musical journey you went well, on? Well, I've always liked the bass guitar. You know, whenever I'm watching a band play, even if I'm dancing, I'm always focused on the bass. There's something about the bass guitar that intrigues me. And Richie and I, before we became captain, we were roommates. And, you know, guys f always find ways to relax, whether go out for a drink or go to a nightclub, whatever. So for me... Richie had his guitar with him and we used to strum away and sing and I hit the, the table for, for music and just to relax from the pressures of international cricket. Yeah. And one day we were in England and right around the corner from the hotel we were staying, there was a music shop and I said to Richie, I'm going to buy me a bass guitar. I've never played a bass in my life. Mm -hmm. I love the instrument. So we went around and I bought the bass guitar and Richie started showing me where the notes are and stuff like that, you know. And that's how we all started. And then when I get back home, I got a couple of guys who play bass. I went to them and they, they wrote out all the notes on a piece of paper for me. And they want to see me like a school child. Everywhere I go, had a piece of paper so I could, <laughs> so I could learn the notes. Right. You know? And that's how it all started. And then we just took off from there. And, and you, are, you, are you still playing now anywhere? I still play the bass. Um, we, I'm, I'm a part of a band called Spirited. And... Richie as part is of that, it as and well. And female singers? As two female yeah. singers. Yes, two female singers. I do a little singing myself from time to time to help just to give the female singers a little bit of a break, you know. <laughs> um, but Spirited is the name of the band and we're doing quite well in Antigua. Well, we look forward to it. Next time we're in Antigua, Neil, we've got to go down. We have to. We definitely you have, have to. to. You have to. You can't come to Antigua and don't take in a spirited gig. You're going to love it. Perfect. This is amazing. Now, you know, back back <clears throat> to bowling, back to fast bowling. It is one of those skill sets which leads to a bunch of injuries. Like injuries and fast bowling is like a marriage that's made on the cricket field. Uh, modern day cricketers, they, they get injured more often than, you know, from back in the days. What is the reason? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing because they have everything at their disposal now. Exactly. When we played, we had nothing. You know, we hardly ever had a coach. I, right. I, I got my first coach internationally towards the back end of my career. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, we had a physiotherapist from Australia. 
who was also a trainer. Right. So all we had was a trainer, physiotherapist, and a manager. Mm -hmm. That was it. So we did all the thing ourselves, slip catching everything. We had no coach. Right. Nowadays you have every single thing. Guys go to the gym, they do everything. Nutritionists, they got everything. And they're still getting injured. So it, it amazed me. I really don't know. Maybe it's too easy. Maybe they need to go back to when we, we played. <laughs> I don't know, but I really don't know. Well, it's, it's such an honour to have you both uh, in Dubai and also uh, here in the studio. Um, we couldn't let you go without asking about uh, West Indies cricket and the future of West Indies cricket. What I mean, we, we love it as much as you do. And, and, and we international cricket needs a strong West Indies. Is, is there a simple answer or is there a long-term plan it's that's needed? It's not a simple answer. I believe that we blundered badly, not only cricket West Indies, but territorial boards as well. Many years ago when we were the number one team in the world, Nothing was ever done. No structures were put in place. No academies and stuff to nurture the talent. The Cricket Westernese and Territorial Boards probably believe we will continue to produce great cricketers. Where other nations had put academies in place, nurtured the talent, caught up with us, and have gone past us, left us behind. Yeah. So we play, we're paying a serious price for not putting things in place. But as we speak, they're trying to do that now. There's still some talent in the Caribbean but we need proper structure so we can nurture the talent. So until we do that, we may see West Indies cricket struggling for a little bit, but I believe that the proper structure, we will see a resurgence because the talent is still there. Well, definitely, talent is there. We've seen those talented individuals going out and playing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, across uh, the various franchise leagues that are there yeah. around the world. Uh, but, but yeah, in unification is where the result is, and we're looking forward to that to come. Uh, one quick question from my end: from uh, this evening onwards, we'll be, you know, broadcasting live IPL uh, commentary in this part of the world. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you've been keeping an eye on the IPL as well. Of course, I think I think it's the number one T20 franchise in the world. Um, very exciting. And it shows most of the great cricketers, you know, are drawn to playing IPL. So it's a wonderful tournament. I do follow it, maybe not as closely as some, mm -hmm. but I, I know what's going on. Interesting. So it's going to be an amazing game tonight, and uh, we definitely hope to see you sometime soon whenever you're in Dubai. Yes, definitely. Next time I'm here, I'll stop by. So, Kirtley Ambrose, uh, the legend of international cricket, joining us here on Talk 100.3. And if you're in Antigua, Spirited there is go. the number one gig that you need to see. TSB, Talk Sport Business. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, thanks for listening to another TSB TalkSport Business Podcast. And don't forget, if you want to hear the full show, we're live every weekday from 3 to 7 p.m. across the UAE on Talk 100.3. Or you can listen to us via the Big Fan TV app.